0: When I was a kid, my parents had a family business, so it was assumed that I would take over that family business. But what I really wanted to do was do window displays.
1: Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do? A podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is Heather Mayo-Smith. Heather is an award-winning interactive storytelling pioneer and technology visionary who brings over a decade of immersive storytelling leadership to StoryFile. StoryFile has created the medium of conversational video, which transforms traditional one-way video into a two-way conversation. Heather's work has been featured in The New Yorker, The Today Show and 60 Minutes, among others. Welcome to the pod, Heather.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Of course. This is very exciting. Full disclosure to listeners. Heather is my girlfriend's mother. And at one point I was on the payroll for StoryFile, um, which was a very exciting time. I got to be one of the first employees there as it was starting up. So this is... I
0: think you were the second. Were you? Oh, wow. Were was you, were you was- the second or third? I was one, of the, the or third. Yeah. one <laughs> of the first few
1: um, as it was starting up and it's gotten much bigger. So it's exciting to come back and sit down with you for the podcast. We do I, miss you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a, it was mm-hmm. a fun time and it was for anybody who enjoys a crazy startup atmosphere <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely that and a lot of fun. And I think what stood out to me about the early days was, you know, you had this great track record in immersive storytelling. But there was something inside of you that wanted to take it to the next level and start this new medium, not just a new company, but a new medium. Tell us a little bit about your background with conversational video and then what inspired you to go beyond just designing for museums or for an institution and actually start Storyfile.
0: That's a big question. Okay. First of all, conversational video or the idea of having a conversation with video, asking questions and getting your answer via video, like a videoed response from somebody, from a real person, did not exist. Yeah, Normally, you'd have to go into what we call the audiovisual testimonial. So a person would ask you about their, you know, your whole life. It would be you know, anywhere from two hours to five hours, six hours, no matter, you know, depending on how long that person wanted to interview you. And it'd usually be like a timeline, along a timeline. So it'd be linear. Mm -hmm. So you would tell the the whole story of your life to someone. Those are great. But the issue with that is what if you just want to find a specific answer or hear a specific story or know about someone's life from a specific point in time? So you couldn't do that necessarily in a conversational way and you know you can have the the video indexed and cataloged by the minute so you could find the content mm-hmm. but you couldn't it wouldn't necessarily be an answer to your question it wouldn't be as if you were sitting down having a conversation with someone having a conversation with someone is probably the original way that human beings learned about their world around them. They would ask people questions, they would have these conversations, it would lead to other questions, it would lead to other discussions, and that's how we as human beings learn. So what we wanted to do was create an environment where people could have those conversations, but even though the individual might not be there in front of them, might not be present, And might not even be alive anymore. I started this because I was doing a lot of immersive exhibitions around the Holocaust and genocide space. And I was having these amazing conversations with people off camera and on camera. And it dawned on me one day that my children and my grandchildren won't be able to have these conversations. They won't be able to actually engage with one of these individuals because they're dying. I mean, that's the human lifespan's only so long. So what we wanted to do when we started was actually sort of replicate that experience if we could. And at the time, so this was 2009, 2010, when I was starting this, at the time there was a video search. You could go on, you know, Netflix or YouTube and search for a video and you could get to the minute of it because some of it had been cataloged and indexed but you couldn't actually ask any kind of question. You had to choose basically, it was like a menu and museums have used this in exhibits for quite some time. They offer, oh, you know, click on this to hear about this subject, click on this hear about this subject. But I didn't want that. I didn't want someone telling me what I can learn. I wanted to just ask my question and have it be more of a natural conversation, more of a natural back and forth. I didn't think it would be that hard, actually, in the beginning. I thought, oh, this seems like you could do this. I learned very quickly that it wasn't as easy to do uh, for a lot of various reasons. So we when we started out on this, natural language processing was kind of just getting really, really going and really good. The internet was getting faster. Download streams for videos was getting faster and was enabling more to happen in real time. And speech recognition, like uh, Siri or Google, that was starting to become a possibility in 2009, 2010. We knew it was on the horizon. We just needed it to accelerate. We needed it to go faster. And what our project at the time gave people was... A reason to get it started, a reason to actually figure it out and find a way to do it. Hence the, you know, people always say the necessity is the mother of invention. And I think that's so true. Full disclosure, I am not in the technology business. I know absolutely nothing. I did not, you know, study computer science in high school, back in like early 80s, I might have had one little coding class, which I don't even know how I did, but that was not my thing. My thing was visualizing an immersive experience and, that I wanted to have and then going out and finding the people that could actually build that. And I think that's what helped me because I didn't have any limitations like I didn't know the laws of physics, I didn't know, you know, how to code something, I didn't know about natural language processing, but I thought in my head, look, there's so many great things and exciting things coming down the pike and going on in technology. This seems like it should be possible to do. Right. So it took us about 3 or 4 years to really figure out a who would do it, what elements you actually needed what would have to be developed in order to kind of think about having a real conversation with a real person. That led to a project that I was leading with my company in partnership with the USC Shoah Foundation and USC's Institute for Creative Technologies. And we ended up filming Holocaust survivors actually so that you visitors like museum visitors or kids in schools and you know around the world would be able to have these conversations and be able to actually talk to them and have a QA, and a similar to the Q&A that you would have after seeing a Holocaust survivor in a museum. They give a little bit of their lecture, and then the audience is open to Q&A. What we noticed in that Q&A, in that moment, when you opened the conversation to questions from the audience, that although you could hear a pin drop when those people were telling their story or talking or giving a lecture, etc., the minute the audience was open up to questions, something changed, the energy in the room changed. And all of a sudden people stood up, they have started paying attention, they started really getting excited and you could see them listening and wanting to ask their questions. We think that, and we've actually done some studies about this since then, we think that at that moment, that's when your real connection started with the individual, with that history. The minute you were able to hear someone ask a question or you yourself were able to ask a question and that person becomes real to you, they're in, you know, they're answering it's personal at that moment. That's when you really engage. That's when you really connect to that history. That's when you really remember it. Mm -hmm. So that was what we didn't want to lose. Hence the being able to ask your own question even after those people are gone.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that the tipping point was you speaking with elderly people whose stories we want to preserve even after they pass away. I think when most people think of conversational video, they probably think of, you know, or or seeing somebody, preserving somebody who's passed away. We think of, Tupac at Coachella. We don't we yeah. don't immediately think of Holocaust survivors, <laughs> but I know that this you get this question all the time, and there is a difference because what we're seeing when we, for example, hear the story of a Holocaust survivor, we're not seeing a hologram. Mm. It's it's a different concept entirely. And I think the the concept of hologram, and I'm I'm sure you get questions about you know deep fakes as well. Mm. How do you how do you navigate those nuances? Because story files, I understand, is separate from those. But it took a little uh, learning before I could see how.
0: Mm. Yeah, conversational video. First of all, is not a thing yet. Actually, we don't use it in our daily lives the way that we can. Yeah, the way we were, the way that we are now able to through Storyfile and through what we've built, it will become. You know, you will be able to interview a potential date, for example, and they won't even know that you've talked to them.
1: So, for example, if they're on a dating app that we're both on, we match. Mm-hmm. I can say, Do you want to have kids? Yeah. Before we even go, before I message them to go exactly. on a date, like I can say, do you want to have kids? And if they might say no. And I might, that might be a deal breaker for me. I will not right. even bother.
0: Right. Yeah. And they don't have to know that you've rejected them either, yeah. which is right. really cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or even getting a job and, you know, all these people having to go through, you know, hundreds and hundreds of even thousands of resumes Um, you can put out a specific script that you want people to video the answers to, and then you could just ask them whichever questions you want gets to the point, like you get to know someone when you see them. It's not like typical audio, you know, and hearing. even though we're on a podcast right now, you're not seeing the video of me thinking about the question or my hand movements or my body posture, you know, and my facial expressions, you're not seeing that. You can hear my voice intonation, but you don't see it. So you're missing a lot of the communication. Yeah. That's what the video part uh, element of this does. That's why it was so important to us that you be able to have these conversations and ask these questions with a video of that real person. Now, you take holograms. Okay, you mentioned Tupac. Tupac was an amazing feat, actually. And most people don't know how difficult that really was at first go at it because that was really the beginning of what we now know as sort of deep fakes and deep fakes has many different levels let's call them many different levels of artistry from zero to ten sure the deep fake of tupac technically was really really difficult to recreate the actual actions in the scene and the look It wasn't necessarily the visualization and Mm -hmm. what everybody saw and what everybody got really excited about was the holographic technology. That part had actually been around for over 100 years. Houdini used to use it on stage. That's how long it's been around. I mean, Disney's used it. Museums have used it. What changed is, and what allowed them to be so convincing with the Tupac piece that they created was that video has gotten a lot more high definition. There were a lot more, the resolutions in it are ridiculously high. That in itself creates a little bit more opaqueness. So it's not as ghost-like, like like it was, like you might've experienced in in Disney and things like that. Second thing is the image on, on the stage can be projected now on a completely clear film. I like to refer to it for layman's terms, like explaining it. It's somewhat like a massive saran wrap.
1: Okay,
0: <laughs> Think of it that All way. Right. That is pulled so tight and it's tension. You have to have it in a frame so that the video bounces off of it. Yeah. In a story. So you're really projecting on this film that is placed at a 45 degree angle on stage that creates this illusion of a person being there. Now what helped with this saran wrap is now instead of being having to project it onto a screen like you'd use on a window, which is a little bit black netting, you mm-hmm. know that one, like yeah. a metal thing, yeah. and then having, or having to use dry ice on stage, you could now not have any of that. You don't have that black kind of haze from the the previous net that they had to use, you now have a completely clear vision and a completely clear vision of what's behind the image. So what happened with Tupac is you could add depth on stage. Mm. You can add people dancing in back of him or even seeming like they're dancing next to him and around him. So it gives you that added sense of reality when that image was projected on stage. That's what holographic technology does, and they're getting better and better at it, you know, where you used to have to be in a, you know, massive 50-foot stage, theater stage or, or you know, at a concert stage, now you're able to do it in like a, you know – basically a phone booth they've created for these holographic images or 3d images and they're getting better and better at it what i'm really excited about is ar glasses when those come out because those will actually those will enable you to take the images wherever you want to go in whatever environment you want to put those images in and you can actually be social unlike vr you can actually see the people around you that are also looking at that image with those Mm -hmm. glasses. And you can talk to them and you can all experience what you're looking at together. Whereas in VR, it's a very isolated experience or one-on-one. So that's the whole thing about visualization.
1: Yeah. So how, So to elaborate, Mm -hmm. how is that different uh, for people who, who aren't quite grasping it? How is that different than what StoryFile does? I know StoryFile is 2D at the moment, but you're saying AR glasses. There's a world where I could... See my grandpa on the couch in front of me, right? If I'm wearing well, these that glasses. Was the,
0: yeah, that was the original vision. I wanted to sit at a kitchen table with an individual sitting across from me and just feel like I was having a conversation in that right. environment. That will come to fruition. StoryFile itself is visually what we call visually agnostic. So we film you or we can film you. If you, if you go into the studio and do the studio interview for StoryFile not the personal one, but if you do a VIP studio experience, we can film you in such a way that you can be projected either on a 2D high definition monitor or holographically, or you can put that image into VR as well,
1: Hmm.
0: or you can be projected in AR glasses, et cetera. And we have the technology to capture that. We have had it for quite some time. Uh, we've been developing it. Uh, we're, one of the three studios in Los Angeles right now that has a fully volumetric capture studio. However, since the AR glasses are not yet a thing, and so you would basically only use one camera angle for the holographic imagery. It's the same camera angle that you actually project into an HD monitor, a TV, 2D TV monitor. So, you may film yourself with 27, you know, cameras and 10 depth sensors, but you're only using that one, what we call a hero camera, that right. that one angle. That's all that is actually required for holographic technology. But the AR, depending on whether you want to see 45 degrees of an, of an individual or 180 degrees of an individual or 100, you know, 360, that technology still has to become. Somewhat commercial. It's too cost prohibitive to process the amount of data that we actually capture. For example, if you do a 360, capture a 360 image of an individual and want to put them in VR, which is pretty much the only way right now that you can do a 360 or walk around an individual, that data runs, uh, you could spend a million and a half dollars doing a 10, 15 minute video of that individual. The issue is with a story file, you have anywhere from five to 25 hours of hmm. video that is random, completely random. So it's really cost prohibitive to use conversational video in that application at the moment, but it will, the cost of doing so will come down. To the point where someone that films themselves today and holds on to that data will be able to use that data and put that into any of the other technologies that visualization technologies that come about a few years from now, 20 years from now, etc.
1: Right. So it sounds like there are still many challenges in, in the storytelling that StoryFile does. So I'm curious, like going back for a second, when you set out to disrupt an industry or create a new industry entirely of conversational video, how do you how? how do you pitch people on it? How do you pitch people when you're starting a new industry? Because even a few years into it now, there, there are still mm-hmm. elements of it, like you're saying, that are cost prohibitive, yeah. but you know the vision is there and you know the technology will eventually get there, Yeah. like it did with how what you were saying about Netflix and YouTube, where it was very basic cataloging to where right. we are now. Right. The technology will advance over time. But in the meantime, how do you sell people on a vision when things are still maybe not moving as fast as you would like. It's easy, actually.
0: Look at, look at when VR came out, right? The issue and the reason that VR has taken so long to really become commercial or pot, you know, the reason that VR has not become completely mainstream right now is because there wasn't content that was created for it before the apparatus or before the actual physical technology had been developed. Yeah. So the what came first was the technology and then the content and it's now still being developed. I mean we need an entire army of individuals that have been trained how to write, for example, just write a script for VR. Mm. There isn't a there's not a educational let's say pathway to that yet yeah. or even filming for VR and it in the traditional cinematic sense you learn how to be a filmmaker you learn how to be a screenwriter and da 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 but vr is completely different it's a game, it's a game changer so that infrastructure was not there when the headsets were built and it'll still take quite a long time in fact it might take so long that ar glasses surpass vr headsets yeah. altogether with our technology it's easy it's completely agnostic. You can interact with it on your phone. You can interact with it on your laptop. You can see it on your television. You can interact with your television. You could probably stop a documentary midway and ask a question yeah. using your TV remote. It's This is not about a technology that needs to advance completely in order to use conversational video part of it. Conversational video is the content everything that I've done to date and we've done at StoryFile or we've done with my previous project, it was all about content first. If you don't have content, you don't have anything. It, I don't care what technology you develop, how amazing and how great it is. If you don't have content, you have nothing. So what we're doing with StoryFile is people may have the vision and may, may have this cool idea of what they want to do with it. And yes, that we may want to see someone in their kitchen, you know, and feel as if that person's right there. But that doesn't really matter. What matters is you being able to have the conversation in the first place. So for example, when we were testing this back in 2015, 2014 actually, Skype really wasn't completely mainstream. It it really got foothold and really became popular. It wasn't until 2012 actually even though it started in 2009 people thought that they were actually having a conversation with the individuals that we filmed they thought they were on Skype with them mm. because that's the only point of reference they have for that visualization so now people might know that if they are confronted with a story file hopefully they'll know that that is a recorded you know image a visualization of an individual of a real individual yeah That you can now have a conversation with, but they're not there. They don't have to be there. Like if you get asked 100 questions on a daily basis about what you do, you probably know all of those questions, first of all, and you're probably tired of of people asking you them. What StoryFile allows you to do is just record those answers just once. Say it all, give everybody the chance to have those conversations. And then when they actually meet you in person, or they actually are able to have a conversation with you, if they are in person, because there are, God knows there are millions of people that I would love to have a conversation with that I will never be able to meet, but I can have a conversation with their story file. I can learn about them. I can get the answers to my questions, my questions, right. not what you want to tell me in a documentary, not what you want to tell me because you're putting a lecture on on YouTube. It's it's what I it's all about what I want to know or what you want to know from that individual.
1: And lastly, I guess the the way, so this this plays into how there are different ways people can experience this. You know, they can experience it on. So they're FaceTiming with someone, like on their phone. I think to what you're saying, people had thought about Skype. Now we have more points of reference. We have Zoom. We have FaceTime. We have all these different ways we've interacted with people over a screen. Exactly. And I think originally when people like myself, when we first got acquainted with StoryFile, and we first heard about your inspiration of preserving people's stories, you know, we see, oh, okay, cool. Like, like, you, like you experience, oh, we can preserve the story of an elderly person. And when they pass away, we can still... Get a, have the opportunity to know them and future generations can know them. I think, as you've alluded to already, there are exciting possibilities that go beyond kind of this grim reaper <laughs> mentality <laughs> yes. uh, where, you know, you talked about the opportunity to get to know a potential partner before you ask them on a first date. And there are these different, uh, different ways to get to know someone. I think the other cool opportunity that that you've mentioned in the past is someone can record a story file at multiple points in their life. Oh yeah. So it becomes yeah. kind of like a social study mm-hmm. of, of someone, a person or an organization, both. What are some of the ways that you've thought about story file beyond just preserving the story of an elderly person? Mm-hmm. Or a, as you've alluded to the, in the context of dating, which I think is very innovative. What are some of the other ways um that you see this technology branching out into different verticals, mm-hmm. shall we say.
0: Education would be a huge opportunity to use conversational video. Kids all over the world would be able to have conversations with people that they never they could literally bring to life those individuals that they're learning about in books. Even amazing mathematicians and have them explain to you what their theories are and how to do their formulas. Have a famous geologist explain to you the plates in, in the, you know, in earth or the universe, you know, with a another individual. It's obviously historical figures are a no brainer for, for like presidents and world leaders and right. people that change the world. But we really wanted to focus on everyday people as well, because every person's story matters. Everyone. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone who's lived any kind of life has lessons they've learned, has things that they can pass on to future generations. You mentioned the doing the story file at different points in your life. This was one application that actually someone mentioned to us that they wanted to do, and that was they wanted to talk to their 16-year-old self. Mm. Actually, they wanted their 16-year-old to talk to them at 16 yeah, because they thought that they, you know, it's the age old thing. Your teenager never feels like you understand them and you've never gone through this and you can't possibly know what they're going through, et cetera, et cetera. But if they were able to talk to you, at 16 or 18, I mean, that would be game-changing for, for teenagers. They couldn't say anymore. <laughs> they get it that you can't understand, obviously. Or see what's important to them at the time, you know. Talk to them about what they're going through with friends, what they're experiencing in school, how they're thinking of their future, for example. It opens the door to just seeing how a person evolved over time and how people change or don't change. You know, if you interviewed yourself at 10, 16, 18 when you went to college, 22 when you finished college, you know, to 30 and then started doing it every 10 years after that, you'll see different perspectives, you'll see the learning, you'll see the life that you've experienced moving through those interviews. That's what we would really ultimately love to capture of you as an individual for everybody we did this when we did this with holocaust survivors one of the questions that we got the most from the public was i would have loved to have done this with my grandparents i would love to do this can i do this for my parents because i'm having kids and my father was just diagnosed with alzheimer's and they will never get to know him or can we do this with the founder of our company so that we maintain that culture that they've created and that and we understand our history and where we came from But that's the essence of it. That's what you're really doing is you're capturing the life experience and you're passing on that experience to future generations because that creates who you are. That past and those stories and those people create your own identity. So that's what we want to pass on. And that's why it was really important to start StoryFile with, all right, we can do all the presidents for the museums, like you said, We can do the online education. We can do the dating. We can do this. But people, humanity has to tell their story. So we started StoryFile Life and we made the technology automated and accessible to everyone, intuitive, easy to use. You don't have to think about the questions you are, you know, to ask yourself. It's all right there for you. And you can just record your own story Whenever you wanted to at different points in your life, even, but record it so that somebody will be able to ask you questions about your life and find out about themselves.
1: Pretty powerful note to end on. We'll we'll end there and we'll wind down with some rapid fire questions. Hmm. Uh, Firstly, where is a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit?
0: Alaska. I want to go see Orcas really close up. I don't know exactly how to do that, but I'm (laughs) At one point, and the Northern Lights, for sure.
1: If there was a movie made about your life, so I guess the story file story, who would you like to play you in that movie?
0: Sandra Bullock, maybe, because <laughs> we just <laughs> I have a little bit rounder face than she does, so I don't know how that would work, but...
1: <laughs> we have a Spotify playlist where we add a song recommendation from each of our guests about a song they're jamming to right now, or... I guess a song they like to jam to in general. Is there a song that you like to contribute to our playlist?
0: There's a song by Eminem, and I'm I'm spacing on the name of it right now, but the this is your shot is the lyric. Lose yourself. It. No, this is your shot. It's your shot. I don't know the name of it. Yeah, I think is that I it? Think it's called it's Lose, Lose, it? Yourself. Yeah. Lose Yourself. Play that in my head all the time when I need to get inspired. <laughs> it's like, no, this is your shot. You got to take it. Go for it. Go for it. I know I get hell from this from my kids, but Katy Perry's fireworks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be?
0: That's a good one. It's a
1: good story file question?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna put that in the in the script. One skill
1: or ability, yeah, or ability. Superpowers are fair game as well.
0: Reading quickly.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, speed reading. Yeah, uh,
0: speed reading. I would, I, although. I don't know. I I should actually. Before I say that, I should actually talk to some people that actually speed read and, and get a sense of what they really learn. If you could speed read you know? and absorb the <laughs> and absorb it and go. absorb everything, there that would go. be great. Memory, memory, memory would be very helpful. <laughs> a really good memory.
1: <laughs> and finally, where can people keep up with you and the amazing work you're doing at Storyfile?
0: If anyone wants to reach out, follow us on Instagram at StoryFile.
1: Perfect. And if you're curious about the podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at Pod. Heather, thank you so much. I'm really excited for people to experience StoryFile. This was great.
0: That was a really, really cool conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks.
1: My pleasure. I hope you found value in today's conversation. If you still haven't left your review for How Do You Do Podcast, I'm going to walk you through the process right now, and it only takes 10 seconds. First, look at your phone screen and click where it says, how do you do podcast, which is in purple. And if you're not seeing this, then you're probably listening to this on a different app. So I want you to click on where it says, listen on Apple podcasts, and then you'll see the purple link. Click that. Then you'll just scroll past all the previous episodes to where it says ratings and reviews. And all you need to do is tap the star on the far right, and you've left a five star rating. I thank you in advance for taking the 10 seconds to do that and I really truly appreciate you listening to this episode. Thanks for sharing it with your friends and followers and I'll see you back here next week.